Hello, and welcome to the Georgetown Public Policy Review Podcast. I'm interview editor Stephen Meyer. The threat of global warming is probably one of the biggest issues currently facing humanity, and some argue that if we do not take action soon, it could lead to an extinction-level event. The 2020 Democratic presidential primaries are fertile ground for policy conversations about the environment, and Georgetown University was recently the host to MSNBC's Climate Town Hall, where most of the current candidates had a chance to discuss their environmental plans on live TV. I'm joined here today by Aidan Moore and Luke Rappaport, two students from the McCourt School of Public Policy who attended the town hall. So, gentlemen, hello. Thank you for coming. Let me ask you, first of all, what were your overall thoughts? Was the event a success? How did you feel about it? So, hi, this is Luke. I can, I can talk a little bit about the event uh, first. So, I think generally it was a success for the university in the sense that they were able to get so many presidential candidates to come to campus and talk about this issue. Obviously, this forum came up because of a lack of a specific climate debate, which many people in this space and following the election had called for, given how important and sort of singular this issue is. And so a couple of different climate forums sprung up in the absence of a specific DNC climate debate. And so for Georgetown to be a part of it, I think that was a notable event for the university and something that we should all be proud of. I think personally, there were some things in the way that it was conducted that left me a little confused the way that questions were selected, uh, for instance. I know they wanted it to be a student, uh, so, sort of student-led debate, and, and so they uh, accepted questions very much so from undergrads, both at Georgetown and other satellite campuses that were video conferencing in. Overall, I thought the, the, the level of conversation about this issue was very good. You know, Chris Hayes and Ali Velshi, they know the topic. Um, and so I felt that the conversation that they led was, was pretty positive. But when it came to um, the questions that were brought up or, or filtered through, I know that they had a process of, of students submitting questions uh, and then people at GU Politics allowed certain ones. The ways in which that was decided or, or the questions that ended up being asked of the candidates, I thought focused on specific issues a little bit too much at the expense of other issues that I would say were, were a little bit more important. Um, without getting too deeply into it, you know, I think environmental justice is a really important concept. But I find in an undergrad crowd, when you're fielding questions from, you know, 18 to 21 year olds, very often, these are the questions that are brought up, right? And so you had a number of environmental justice questions about certain communities that are going to be impacted, brought up one after another, whereas there's very sort of few questions about the technical or policy puzzles that go along with this with this topic. So Um, I did feel there was a little bit too much of an emphasis on some of the environmental justice stuff and a little bit less of an emphasis on the sort of technical, um, sometimes wonky energy stuff. But that also is kind of my disposition being an an energy student and and knowing sort of the crux of of this problem and how it it potentially would be solved. So that would be my one criticism. Sure, sure. So, uh, Aiden, what do you think? What were your overall thoughts? Hey, how's it going, Steve? Thank you for having me. So I thought it was definitely a success. I was really excited when I heard about it uh, first being presented here, and I definitely had to go. Uh, I think they brought up a lot of good issues. Um, I definitely want to reiterate some of the concerns that Luke had, and I think what was lacking in this was substance and really kind of sussing out the, uh, the different policies that were proposed. So there wasn't really any uh, pushback on that, no questions on that. So it can be tough to kind of assess people's policies in that sense, and especially when questions are coming from people who don't know what policies they're going to put forward. I mean, I know uh, Mayor Pete put out a policy essentially during the, the uh, debate so or the, the climate forum, so it's hard to really suss that out and see what the, uh, the validity of that policy is and 
how it would work going forward. But I definitely think it was a great event. It was good for Georgetown. It was good to get this out. There's never been really a climate forum with presidential candidates before. I'm glad it was the uh, Democratic side that did that, even though we had Bill Weld there, which was really good to see because we do definitely need Republican voices in this debate too because this is an issue for all of us. You know, um, and I think that's really important. Uh, I definitely think that going forward, I hope to see more of this. It was fantastic to see Iowa State uh, was video conferencing in and other colleges. So this wasn't just a Georgetown-led, and it was a Georgetown-led initiative, but it wasn't just Georgetown that was there. And I hope to see more of these kind of satellite debates going forward. And I know that the DNC has had problems with outside debates like that. And I really hope going forward they drop that issue because I think this is really important, especially if it's something that MSNBC and Georgetown wants to do. They should be able to do that, and candidates should be able to go to that and express their uh, views, express their policies that they want to push going forward. And I would love to see these kind of centered policy issues being put in debates like this, and especially something like climate change, which has been ignored for way too long. And so bringing attention to it through these kind of forums or even debates going forward is something that I want to see. Interesting, yeah. So it's definitely kind of a first-of-its-kind debate in in a major presidential primary, and it was great that so many candidates bought into it. Uh, there were quite a few there, and not all the candidates were able to make it. Luke, which, uh, which candidates were you able to see? So I was able to see uh, a number of candidates. I saw Cory Booker. I saw Julian Castro. Um, I saw Senator Michael Bennett. I saw uh, John Delaney. I saw uh, Andrew Yang. I saw uh, Bill Weld. Um, so um, I saw, saw quite a, a good, few. Yeah, I saw quite a few of them uh, spanning both days. Um, so who, out, of, out of all those people, who do you think did the best? Yeah, so I, I really like um, Michael Bennett, not necessarily because I endorse all of his climate policies, just because he is, is pretty candid and pretty realistic. Um, I think there has been this like dichotomy that's, come up both in the forum and in the debates where there is some criticism of some of the candidates kind of quote unquote like promising it all right and not to say that you know medicare for all isn't possible or but there has been this question of all right how do you pay for it and how do we sort of sidestep this question i don't think that's big as big of an issue as maybe that seems to be on twitter or or in the post debate discussion but i think it's refreshing to have a candidate come on stage and give sort of a realistic look at what climate policies he, he does really think could pass mm-hmm. as president um, versus ones that are maybe commonly talked about but are a little bit more difficult to pass, right? Uh, Michael Bennett said, you know, hey, you can say in, green, in, a, in a Green New Deal framework that we're going to retrofit every single building uh, in America in the next 10, 20 years, but it's just not possible, right? I mean, it, there's things that we can do and there's things that are in the Green New Deal that are really positive and super necessary. And I think that the idea of it in general, I'm a supporter of, right? But sometimes you have really, really lofty goals. And it was it was refreshing for me to hear Michael Bennett come on stage and say, listen, I, I come from a purple state. Um, I think Colorado is probably a good framework to understand what's possible, what could pass, what you can get Republicans to buy in on. Uh, and so... I really thought a lot of candidates did, did a really good job, but I, I was particularly impressed by Michael Bennett's frankness and, and his ability to get up there and just sort of, quote unquote, have real talk about, you know, mm-hmm. what, what could actually get done 
in potentially a, a you know a split Congress. Yeah, interesting. So, do you think that uh, perhaps some of the candidates, their plans or the discussions they had during the forum, that maybe they were too ambitious and too lofty, and you know, it sounds like maybe you thought they they didn't have many uh, specifics in their plans that they were presenting, and they kind of just had these overarching themes of discussions of things they wanted to accomplish with the environment. Do you think that they were being too lofty, or do you think that, that given the circumstances of politics today that maybe they can actually accomplish some of the things they're discussing? I, I wouldn't say necessarily that any of the candidates are too lofty. Being an energy student, this is something that's really important to me, and so people that are taking like bold, ambitious steps on this issue I think is totally necessary. I do think that sometimes when you get into these debates about what we should do about climate change and what's possible, a lot of people who maybe don't study this so closely kind of shoot for the moon, right? And they, they want the, the Green New Deal. They want it with all the bells and whistles. They want it with the job guarantee. They want it with the Medicare guarantee. And that's great. But, you know, I think that it's important. And this is kind of where I thought maybe at times the, the forum was lacking. I think it's important to really get into the weeds of what it means to potentially pass climate policy, right? Like what 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 is it that um, we really think can get done, right? And so you know, there's there's significant differences between some of these candidates. Like, for instance, Mayor Pete advocates for a carbon price. Not every plan does that. I saw Cory Booker, and he is notably one of the very few Democratic candidates among the bunch who is, is in favor of nuclear energy, right? And so nuclear is it's not renewable energy, but it is clean energy, right? It's, it's zero greenhouse gas emitting energy. Right now we have I want to say something like 60 reactors in the U.S., something, something along that, that magnitude. Um, and there's a real question of how to invest in what in a lot of cases are aging nuclear uh, reactors, nuclear plants in the U.S., and what potential role an expansion of nuclear would play moving forward to try to get to some of these ambitious you know, net zero uh, targets by 2050 or, or otherwise. Um, and so that was a question that just wasn't asked of Cory Booker. That's, a, I think, a function of um, the student questions as well as his ability to just sort of like talk uh, um, at length about a number of issues. You know, he's, he's a really sort of talented speaker. But I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of, of questions based on the specifics of the plans. So that's interesting that you think that, um, uh, you know, perhaps they should have talked more about that or they should have talked more about other options. Aiden, what, what do you think? Do you think that there was anything that they didn't discuss during the forum that uh, perhaps they should have or questions they should have started with or included in their conversations? Definitely. I'm, I'm no expert when it comes to environmental policy, but I definitely agree with Luke here that it, it's, it's not... It's not too hard for these candidates to be lofty in a climate forum that's specifically focused on this issue, and it's something where they're not going to be necessarily tested on these much, on these uh, ideas that they bring up. Um, and I think it's important for people to understand that too, because like he said, if you if you have a plan that has all the bells and whistles, I mean, who's not going to be for that? Who's not going to want a policy that says it can solve climate change while also not having a major impact on the economy of this country and countries around the world? But again, that's just not realistic. But I do think there are things to point to that uh, we need to frame this issue with with you know you look at green energy being one of the fastest growing sections of this economy i mean these it's not these aren't unrealistic goals to have going forward and it's it may be unrealistic to say you know we want to get net zero by 2050 like he was just saying there but we definitely need to put ambitious policies forward i mean there's no point in in just staying where we are and trying to stick with what we have because we've seen that the biggest roadblock to uh, extensive environmental policies has been that it will not gain a consensus in congress which is definitely something to think about Um, but you also need to think about then how can we incentivize people to want to go for these policies i mean one of the biggest issues 
issues with green policies is its effect on manufacturing jobs, its effect on non-environmental friendly jobs. And I think Mayor Pete made a great point here where he was talking about this restructuring of the economy towards green jobs. And, you know, he was saying that jobs aren't just, it's not just an occupation for someone. It's, you know, it's their life. It's their story. You know, it has something to do with their identity. So it's not as simple as saying, you know, to coal miners, sorry, your job is over. You can't do this anymore. It's not, it's not realistic. And I mean, there may be truth to that, but that's not the message we want to be sending to people. You don't get people on board by saying that, you know, you don't push them out of the way. You know, you try to incentivize them to hop onto the train and say, we can move forward together and everybody can be successful. Definitely. I think that there were lofty goals there and it's it's unfortunate where you can't really test those here but I definitely think overall, I really liked some of the policies that were put forward. I would love to see uh, an analysis of these policies to see how legitimate some were, how legitimate others weren't, and where the synergies are there too. I mean, I think everybody, for the most part, on that stage over those two days had pretty similar goals, if not the same goals. They pretty much all would have agreed with each other on their different policies. And so getting people together, getting especially like wonks together, it would have been great to see someone like Jay Inslee there who knows a little bit more about this stuff, you know, getting people on board who know these policies in and out and put forward legitimate policies that work and are pragmatic. I think that'd be really interesting to see. Interesting. So there, there was a lot of conversation about that during the climate forum about uh, worker retraining. And that's, that's a topical uh, piece of conversation that a lot of people are talking about in conversations about the Green New Deal, for example. What do you do with all the workers who work in the non-renewable industries? What happens in a world where their industries don't exist as much as they used to? How do we retrain those people? So it, it's definitely an important conversation. And it was discussed during the forum. Luke, which candidate do you think seems most well-equipped to handle that? Well, I would say that any of the candidates that explicitly support a Green New Deal, they're in some way signing off on job retraining and, and, and making sure that anybody who's displaced or you know loses their, loses their job, loses their livelihood through this, this uh, energy transition that we necessarily must go through gets addressed, and there is language in the Green New Deal about that. You know, I will say I, I certainly don't think that we, we should minimize um, that the jobs will be lost in in an energy transition. But just as a funny anecdote, I think I was reading this the other day. There are there are less coal workers in America at this point than there are Arby's employees. So I think when we talk about this topic, it's important to think about what we would do to these communities that you know wholly rely on coal um, or wholly rely on you know refining or, or whatever whatever industry it might be that that might be left behind by a transition to more sustainable energy. But again, I think. Perhaps this topic is a bit outsized in, in the conversation about the energy transition. It's, it, you know, and that's just me sort of speaking candidly. I, I think it's super important. And of course, you want to make sure that, you know, and with anything, with, you know, more international trade, with manufacturing jobs moving over, with things like an energy transition, you want to think about these people who are potentially displaced. But again, I think there are probably more fundamental questions that are more important to be asked about how this energy transition will take place that maybe get glossed over a little bit more because they're a little bit less sexy, they're a little bit less soundbitey. But that's just, again, that's me coming from more of like an energy policy wonky perspective. And I know that not everybody wants to necessarily dive into those things. So that's interesting because uh, a lot of people are talking about how, you know, a lot of candidates only want to talk about the exciting things. They only want to talk about the exciting parts of being environmental stewards. So that leads me to wonder, what's the direction of all this? Where are we going? Are these conversations going to lead to any tangible policy changes for the environment? Are we actually going to be able to save the world through these conversations? Or is all of this going to waste? Aiden, what do you think? So yeah, I definitely, I think that 
that's true. Uh, Luke makes a good point there that it is just focus on the what you would call politically sexy parts, and that's jobs are definitely on that because I mean it's it's funny when you'll hear a lot of uh, climate scientists will say Miami might not exist in the next 100 years due to rising sea levels, but that doesn't seem to garner the same kind of you know political fervor that does when you talk about coal miners losing their jobs, which as you said there aren't that many in this country anymore. Um, but that being said, I definitely think we're on a proper trajectory here uh, in terms of uh, actual uh, policies being enacted. I don't think, I mean, I, I'm I'm definitely not a pessimist, but I also don't see crazy changes going forward. I don't see anything really impactful in the immediate future. I think it's going to be more incremental changes that go through. And I mean, I think you saw there was a lot of progress under the Obama administration in terms of climate change. He didn't have anything like a Green New Deal, anything that was as massive as something like his health care bill but he did make some efforts through different legislations to to help with the policy issue um, and again these are incremental issues and or incremental policy changes uh, going forward that were small changes but they were towards something um, and unfortunately we've seen a reversal of a lot of those policies currently and i think that whole back and forth with the political climate that we have today is problematic especially when climate change becomes the axe that people use here uh back and forth or excuse me that policy uh climate policies are um but i'm hopeful that change will come from this i just i'm not as hopeful at the speed of which that change comes i i don't know if we've been fast enough in our history already we're already at a point where we're kind of saying to ourselves that it's going to be bad the the effects of climate change but how bad can we or how how bad can we make it or how much can we ameliorate that that pain there going forward um so when you talk about cutting carbon emissions and everything like that it's even if you stopped uh, burning carbon fuels today you wouldn't you wouldn't change or you wouldn't you wouldn't stop the effects going forward because of all the carbon that we put in the atmosphere since and with the warming of the planet but so i guess i'm definitely hopeful that change will come i don't know if it'll be big and impactful change uh, right away i'm hoping that'll be coming more into the future and i guess i i don't know that it will be fast enough or big enough to to change anything massively going into the future so but yeah that being said i mean it's this is the first time we've seen it on the agenda like it is so it's definitely going somewhere it's in a positive uh, direction so i do think that candidates will start implementing climate change policies more into their central um debate and their central um argument when going forward in presidential elections what do you think luca is this on the agenda now are we going in the right direction is this going to result in some type of tangible change so if you i mean if you follow the bills that are being brought up in Congress, right? You see that very slowly and surely Republicans are now starting to sponsor or co-sponsor climate legislation. There, there's bills all the time brought up in Congress um, dealing with this issue. There was one brought up this past week by a Republican rep in Pennsylvania. I think his name is uh, Fitzpatrick. Uh, it, was a, it was a carbon pricing bill, right? And it was notable because he was the sponsor of the bill and he's a Republican, right? And so you're starting to see an appetite for this in Congress. That being said, I think central to the question of is something going to happen is a question of what's going to happen in this 2020 election. I mean, you can't talk about the potential for climate action unless you talk about 2020. So, the, you know, the Trump administration has been pretty um, pretty clear on the record that this is not an issue for them. It's not something they believe in. It's not something they care about. Uh, and they have rolled back environmental regulations, energy regulations to sort of back up, the, you know, this this uh, feeling that they that they don't, in fact, care about this issue. So there was a good uh, Matt Iglesias piece on this uh, about what can the average person do to help deal with with climate change, right? And so I think people – there's an outsized uh, conversation about – you know, what we eat and what we do with plastics and how we recycle, right? And all of these things on the margin. 
And ultimately, individual consumer choices are not going to lead to the emissions reductions we need to hit, let's say, Paris goals. So it's really not it's not going to happen on the individual level that can potentially help. And sure, if you want your own values to reflect how you or your own actions to reflect your values on this issue, perhaps you stop eating beef or or perhaps Mm -hmm. you stop eating meat. Right. But ultimately, this has to come from a policy level. This has to come from policymakers. This has to come in the form of. Um, you know, hopefully federal legislation, but you're already seeing some states act, right? I think in the past year, you've had something like uh, 12 different states act in the last 12 months to put in some kind of renewable energy portfolio, renewable renewable energy standard, um, renewable uh, electricity standard, clean electricity standard, um, with you know target dates of 2030 and 2040 and 2050. So states at the at the lower level are really the ones that are starting to put these in, in place and starting to try to hit these emissions targets. Um, but ultimately, I believe we we will need a federal uh, policy to deal with this. And so the the Matt Iglesias piece that I reference is w- what can the a- average everyday person do to help deal with this issue? And quite simply. Many people have thought about this and many people have come to the same conclusion, which is the best thing you can do to, uh, as an individual person who, do, who maybe isn't a wonk and isn't working in policy to deal with this issue is vote for Democrats. That's the single greatest thing you can do to potentially uh, address this issue. Um, there's one party who um, has you know, consistently been on the record as wanting to deal with this issue, putting bills forward at the federal level as wanting to deal with this issue. Even at the state level, there's generally, you know, when, when states have acted uh, to put in these different uh, standards or, or, or um, protocols, um, it's been the Democratic Party who's put those forward. And, you know, you've had maybe Democratic governors come into power and all of a sudden they get passed through a legislator. So um, if, if you're Thinking, you know, as an everyday person, you know, I, I don't know where to start. It seems like such an overwhelming problem. Um, the most simple thing you can do is vote for Democrats. And, and that's generally how you, you, you get the ball rolling. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. Uh, that, that's a really important part of this to consider is voting. The presidential elections coming up. It's going to be a uh, decisive moment in how we proceed with the environment. So, Aiden, let me ask you, are you considering candidates' environmental plans when you're deciding how to vote? And if so, do you think that other people should weigh the environment and candidates' environmental plans more or less when they are considering who to vote for? Sure. I definitely think that people uh, definitely need to be thinking about that. Um, I personally mainly vote. uh, I'm left-leaning for sure, and I I definitely vote that way a lot. And I think, like I was saying earlier, that most of the people, if not all of the people in the Democratic field now, and I think going forward and in the past, have similar views on climate change. They have similar policies on climate change, and they have similar goals on um, climate change. So I definitely think for left-leaning voters, this isn't as much of an issue about voting towards climate change, because that is something that has been on the agenda, and it's a growth. Growing um, concern on our agenda. But I definitely think for independents out there who are really important, I mean, this is definitely an issue that is facing our nation and the world. And I think it's becoming more of an issue that people uh, account for in their everyday lives. And so I think that yeah, with that in mind, yes, they definitely should. And again, it, you can kind of look at it too in that kind of bifurcated way where it's you have a, a party that does not uh, support climate change policies in in length, and you have a, a party that definitely does and has a historical record uh, voting record of doing so. And so, if that really becomes a central issue to you, absolutely, it's a no brainer situation for you. But. I know with a lot of people and myself, I mean, unfortunately, I, I know how important climate change is, yet I, I definitely do not put it uh, first when I'm 
debate I'm thinking about voting um, and I, it's it's a little easier like I said because I'm a left-leaning voter but I do think for independence it's hard sometimes to put something as intangible as climate change on the agenda like that I mean it's it's easy to 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 understand I think the issues that come with climate change and I wish it was a lot easier to to convince people of how important it is but unfortunately I don't think that it is a major uh, agenda point for them but that being said I think that they should definitely consider this going forward. Uh, the, the climate change is a massive issue facing them. And if you want to vote for a certain party, it's definitely, as as Luke was saying, Democrats is the way to go. But also, I think if even if you're a right-leaning voter and there are issues that would push you from not wanting to vote for Democrats, but this is still a key issue to you, it's definitely something you need to push your, your Republican congressmen on, your your state represent, uh, representatives and senators. You know, it's just because it's a, it's a dichotomous system that we have now, it doesn't mean that you can push for that change you know grassroots movements you can you can still want everything that the republican party stands for but you can add that policy on there there's no reason why climate change needs to be a democratic policy right it doesn't need to be a liberal policy it's something that includes all of us and involves all of us so i definitely think that people should consider this and if it's not in the agenda of who you vote for you should try to make an, a, an effort to put it in that agenda and whether that's writing a letter calling your senator or you know trying to organize a movement so a lot of people agree with you that it shouldn't be a partisan issue. And I'm wondering about these 2020 elections, how much the environment will be a topic of conversation when the Democratic Party finally chooses its nominee. Luke, what do you think? Will Trump allow this to be a topic of conversation on the debate stage? Is it going to actually be something where maybe the Republicans come up with their own plan? Or do you think it's going to be a, uh, a single party issue over the next few years? Yeah, I mean, when it comes to what Trump will allow in debate or dialogue, I think it's fairly unpredictable, right? He seems to be sort of this freewheeling speaker, almost like, uh, you know, like a weird, like, beat poetry style uh, where you don't know what he's going to say. There's no rhythm. There's no rhyme. There's no pace to it. He, he really can't speak eloquently on any topic, right? So he just kind of goes to these same talking points. And, yeah, I mean, I don't know if – I don't think he could – I, I – Fairly confident that he cannot speak eloquently or in an informed way on this issue, so he won't. Right? He he won't do it. It'll be it'll. And, and given the the nature and the dynamic of how debates, one on one debates, generally work, I'm not sure that you can really get into the weeds and and discuss it uh, in a really serious way, especially when one of those one of those people is is Donald Trump. So I, I'm not sure how much it'll come up in debates. I don't know how much it'll come up on the campaign trail. I think. When you're talking about uh, an election that features a guy like Donald Trump and someone who whose administration has been as controversial as it has, I think the the campaign itself and 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 2020 will really be more about our values. It'll be about virtues. It'll be about you know creating uh, a dichotomy between the you know the two options. Right? We'll be talking about this is one vision. This is what you've seen with with this administration, and this is how the Democratic candidate sort of spelling out their own vision and. Climate change will be a part of that, right? I mean, I think it'll it'll come up, but I, I I'm not sure how how important this is to to every voter. I mean, to me, it's the most important issue. It is an existential threat. Uh, it is something that something of the likes we've never seen before on this planet. Some people say, I think probably accurately, that we're living through, you know, a sixth mass extinction event on this planet right now. So I don't I, I can't imagine what's more important than that. You know, when you're talking about whether uh, you know premiums will go up or taxes will go up in the different Medicare plans, I'm not sure how that really matters if Miami's underwater, as we alluded to earlier, right? So, I I will vote based on climate plans, but 
luckily enough, uh, you know, as a as a as a Democratic voter or just you know as an American voter who cares about this issue, you have one party who has a number of different people who have acceptable plans. So depending on who the candidate is, you know, whether it is Biden who maybe has a plan that's a little bit um, less aggressive, a little bit less ambitious, uh, or Warren who has. Um, a totally acceptable plan that you know puts us leagues ahead of where Donald Trump has put us. We're going to have some someone in the Democratic Party who passes that minimum threshold of probably what we need to do. As many people have have called out, and if anybody happens to be listening to this, I would I would say if you're interested in this topic, go read David Roberts from Vox. He's one of the best journalists working on this issue. As he's astutely pointed out, you know this is really a question about power, right? So look for questions about the filibuster. If we're going to have a Republican Senate, which we probably will, um, there's this question of, is any climate legislation going to pass while Mitch McConnell's running the show? So look for questions about the filibuster. Uh, Look for questions about what candidates will do potentially in their first 100 days, right? You have people like Bernie Sanders who continue to steer the conversation around uh, climate change, right? When uh, when he's asked questions, he's, he's constantly pushing the conversation back to climate change. I think that says something about what he wants to do in his first 100 days when generally presidents ha- do have a lot of leeway to push their, their agenda forward. And then you have candidates like Joe Biden, who it's kind of unclear what he's running on. It's kind of unclear what his signature achievement would potentially be, although I do think that he would do something on climate, right? So look about questions on the filibuster. Look about questions on the first 100 days. I think that's going to really say you know, which of these Democratic candidates prioritizes this issue. But again, I think, it, you know, we're lucky uh, as, as Democratic voters to have candidates that, that generally do pass that minimum threshold of having a good enough climate plan where the dichotomy co- becomes very clear between, again, an administration, an incumbent who doesn't believe in this, you know, hasn't acted on it, if anything, has had a number of environmental and energy rollbacks, and then people who generally have pretty good plans on this. So one more quick and final question for you guys. Given this conversation and everything about the environment, do you have a favorite candidate among the Democratic contenders of who you want to win? So I, I think, uh, as alluded to before, you know, Jay Inslee had the best plan for, for, for on this issue. He, he sort of ran on it. Uh, he wasn't polling very well. He dropped out. And I think he's a great governor. After he dropped out, Elizabeth Warren actually adopted some of his better uh, climate policy points, right? She was smart and uh, the, you know, there's no reason why every candidate can't just say, and I'm not sure why politicians don't do this more often. You know, Jay Inslee has worked on this issue for his entire life. This is something that he ran on. He has some of the best climate wonks uh, in in the world working on his campaign. If elected, um, and if I win the the primary, I'm just going to adopt Jay Inslee's climate plan. I don't see any reason why you can't do that. Sure. And Elizabeth Warren did adopt some of his. Uh, more um, sort of in-depth points that maybe we're, we're lacking before into her plan. So I appreciate that she did that. Ultimately, I will I will vote for the Democratic uh, candidate regardless of who it is. You know, I think right now I, I, I recognize that both Warren and Biden are, are, are the leaders. So I think I've sort of um, started to, in my mind already, sort of coalesce around them, right? Like if either of them win the nomination, I would be okay with that. I think between the two, I would, pref- I would prefer Warren. But I even like some of the people that aren't, aren't polling very well. I'm a big fan of Cory Booker. Um, I think he's someone who who just sort of his tone has resonated with me, the way that he's running, the way that he speaks, the way that he articulates certain points. I really like him a lot, although I don't expect that he will be the nominee at this point. So, I mean, looking at, at the options of, let's say it is, you know, Warren or, Warren or, uh, or Biden, I think I, I would be okay with both of those. I think, again, just to reiterate, the most important point here will be to – 
you know, rally support, be excited about this, try to try to try to chip in where you can to uh, make sure people vote um, all the way down the ticket uh, for Democrats so that potentially we, we, you know, Democrats have as much power as they do in both the presidency and the Congress, because that seems to me, uh, based on the pattern of who's been working on this issue in the past and who's brought up bills in Congress to deal with this issue, if you're if you're interested in climate and you, and you and you want this address and you recognize it as a potentially existential threat, the best thing we can do is ensure uh, the, the most amount of democratic power that we can have in, in both Congress and the executive branch. So, uh, I think uh, whoever that may be, I just hope the Democrats win down ballot. So, Aiden, what about you? Who do you want to win a nomination? For one thing, I like Mayor Pete Buttigieg a lot. Um, I think he put out some really good, interesting issues. He talked about a climate core, which is kind of like the Peace Corps, reminiscent of that, and it would be focused on high schoolers. And so I think that would be really important educating young people in this country about this issue because I know for me, and again, it's I'm also growing up in a time where climate change is, is becoming more relevant. It's coming into the fold. So it, it, it's tough for me to understand this but you know definitely in high school this it's it was never an issue for me and I, I'm, I'm hopeful that that's changing in high schools but definitely something where you have something like a climate core where it gets young people involved in high school it puts us on their minds before they get into any kind of a college age uh, just so it's something that's there for them uh, something that they understand they know they understand the importance of um, but I, I really want to allude to what Luke said there which I think was really important is with these candidates if you're if your sole issue is climate change and climate change policy you really have to look at Bernie and how he does reframe every question, every answer that he's talking about. He really tries to send everything towards climate change. You know, he really puts that up there along with his wealth and equality stances. And I think that shows what really uh, is meaningful to him because climate change by no means is a, a hot topic in terms of polling. It's not something, it's not a buzzword really. I mean, it's especially in terms of the democratic field, it's not new. Um, and so for, for Bernie to steer questions and answers and topics on that, I think really shows of what he cares about. And for that matter, again, I'm no or environmental policy wonk or expert by any means. So uh, the ins and outs, I'm not too sure about. I don't know whose policies would truly be better and who would be more effective. But I definitely think Bernie seems one of the like, he seems the most sincere when it comes to, to climate change policy. Um, and that being said, I, I also agree with Luke that really anybody out of the Democratic field were to get the nomination, I'm still going to vote for them for sure. I really do like Warren. I like that she's incorporated a lot of Jay Inslee's policies. And I think that she also would have a deep understanding and care for this policy. Um, I'm from Massachusetts. I've had Elizabeth Warren as my senator for, for a long time now. And she, I think, truly cares about the system, cares about people. And if this issue is important to them, if this issue is just important in general, she will care about that. So I think that's hopeful for me. So that being said, I think Bernie would be it'd be my go-to if it was simply on climate change policy. And I think Elizabeth Warren's definitely up there for her concern and her, her policies that she's put forward there. Um, and yeah, I just hope that uh, people start to understand the, the implications of climate change, the importance of it. And, you know, if this is something important to you, I just hope that you're voting for candidates who also feel those same, um, those same uh, they, they have the same concerns about climate change that you do. Um, and they are realistic about going forward and doing something about that. Great. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate your answer. Gentlemen, thank you very much for coming in. That concludes our interview today. Thanks for having us. Again, this is Steve Meyer with GPPR. Thank you for listening, and please be sure to subscribe today. If you have a moment, visit our website at gppreview.com.